Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand, please, and affirm with a promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for the privilege that you have given us to be in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burdens and sin that binds us. May in this service, as previously, all of the works of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, and error. All of this may depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit. Saturate us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray continue to lead it with a great and mighty arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be blessed. You may be seated. The Book of Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4.22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. Even the name that our pastor had given this place of scripture, this sermon, you can think a lot on this. You can meditate on it. You can find many revelations. Giving the right to the power, that's anointing. Because anointing is power. When Jesus taught in the temple, those that had power, the high priests had come to him, the priests, and they asked him, what? With what authority did you are you doing this and who gave it to you? They perfectly understood that to do something under uh, with anointing, with authority, you need to have a wellspring. And of course, he showed the wellspring as his father. And the authority that he received, he received from the person whom he received he received this authority from and so he asked them the question about John the Baptist if the work that he did was from God or from men because and they did not want to respond because if they say he's a, he's of men they were afraid that the people would stone them but if it's of God then he then they thought in amongst themselves Jesus is going to question then why didn't you believe in him and they said they don't know uh, and so Jesus said I will not reply to you then also because uh, they perfectly knew to receive the right to the power he needed to acknowledge John the Baptist the person who told Jesus you are greater than I why do you come to me to be baptized he said John you know that this is how all of the righteousness of God is to be fulfilled I need to receive the legitimate right to use this anointing 
and John allows him to come to him. This is how Jesus received the right to anointing. Anointing is authority, is power. And now that we received the right to the power, how do we use this anointing? Let's look at the book of Esther and remember when the time came for the young women to go into King Artisar's 12 months, they had to uh, they had to prepare themselves. Uh, 12 months, they were being, uh, they applied oils on their bodies and at the at the conclusion of all of this, after the 12 months of all of the process that they had to go through, uh, this allowed them to go into the king. Esther was different in that she was the only one who did not require anything to come into the king. She did not ask anything except what Gegai, uh, uh, the guard of the of the women of the of the of the palace, and so he gave her advice as to what to what to take with her, what to bring, what to wear, and they came in in the evening and then left. And the scriptures say they would leave already once they exited the room or the place of the king. they would go then into a different place, into a different room that had a different guard. And these were now considered concubines. But Esther was not a concubine. She was. She became his wife. When she came in, she found favor in his sight. And she was favored not just by the king, but also all of those around her. She was very well liked by her, by him, and he put a crown on her head. And so you could see how we, our relationship with anointing, the right to the power, how do we use this anointing? This means that we will have upon our head a crown and we will be the wife, the bride of the lamb, or we will then become a concubine where there will be a very different overseer over us. But if we want to continue to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, then uh, we will receive that right to the power when we we ask him, what would you like to give? And he will say, this is what I want. Queen Esther, you need to put off your former way of life and clothe your body into a new way of life. If you come with this revelation to the king, he will put a crown on your head. People demand anointing for evangelism. They want anointing to rebuke demons, to uh, do other religious kind uh, works or activity. Anointing is required for that also, but she used the, the anointing so that she could perform God's will, which God had given in his commandments, and to fulfill this decree and commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed, which we need to obtain as a possession, in the format of the fruit of righteousness. And relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, written 
and this allowed David getting he, and him getting to know and confessing the power that is contained uh, in his heart. The eight names of God had this power. This allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. And right now we will proclaim these eight names, and when we proclaim them, let us remember, as our pastor has taught us, Brother Akadi, that David, when he proclaimed he, these, he demonstrated his love for the Lord. And this allowed the Lord to utilize the power contained in those names. And so when we call upon the Lord, we will apply, we, we, are, we are speaking to him so that he can hear these confessions of love and then activate, use the power contained in his names in our favor. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear the confessions of the faith of our heart, and may he make us worthy of these names, and may he activate the power contained in these names against our enemies. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed and the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot in Jesus Christ in the form of the virtue of three names of God. These are strength, rock, and fortress. Therefore, we will immediately and continue to study the inheritance that is in Jesus Christ, in God's name, Deliverer. And these names, of course, are linked with one another, and in the first name, when we call upon the Lord, you are my strength, we told the Lord, Lord, you are the, you are one who is unchanging in his word. You have magnified your name, your word above all your names. You have become a servant of your word, and I want to become a servant of your word. And so when I say, Lord, you are my strength, I say, Lord, you are unchanging in your word, and I worship before your word as you worship before your word. And when we lift up his word we then proclaim the second name lord you are my rock we now take this these uh weights and scales and begin to weigh ourselves in accordance with the truth and cleanse ourselves our conscience and mind from all filth of the flesh and spirit and when we have cleansed our conscience our heart our mind from all filth so that we can then sow something there the seed of god and for this, we need to then proclaim the third name, Lord, you are my fortress. I approach you so that I can be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. And after I am fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, the Lord says, now proclaim my fourth name, Lord, you are my deliverer. What do you mean? Lord, you, I have the promise that I have received in the format of the preached word, in the format of a seed, and this promise has now been fertilized and I will be able to bear this fruit 
and this promise will allow me to be delivered from all of my enemies and your enemies. My enemies are the enemies of the Lord. All the same, all my enemies are the enemies of the Lord. And so, Lord, you are my deliverer. The quality in lexicon identifying the name of God, deliverer, as the previous names of God cannot be found in any existing dictionary of the world. The name deliverer includes these definitions, chief of the covenant. The Lord delivers the one who is in a covenant with with him. He delivers us from the captivity of sin and death. And we need to hate being captives of the old man who holds us in his grip of sin and death. Deliverer is the savior of the body. It's talking about the adoption of our body, that the Lord wants to adopt our body here on earth, not just take us to himself and there change us. Here on earth, he wants to change us and present his power, his ability in man, in a saved body. Deliverer is the protector from the wrath of God. We're not just saying, Lord, deliver me from these illnesses, deliver me from the situation, deliver me from this person, deliver me from the old man. We also say, Lord, deliver me from your holy wrath. May I find favor and mercy in your sight. And he says, of course, you will find it if you cover yourself in the rock and will be in the hiding place. And so will you say, Lord, what do you mean? You need to acknowledge the authority of God and you need to be within the cleft of the, of the rock in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and then I will be able to protect you from my wrath. If I can pre- protect you from my wrath, then I will be able to protect you from all of your enemies. Deliverer is one who restores our rights to our inheritance. Deliverer is one who places in the in a holy place, and we are his holy thing in his safety, and he is one who keeps our guarantee until the coming of Christ. Lord, you are our deliverer, and it's important that the Lord activate his names when we pray to him, and it will be active when we understand and know what is contained in these names. In the given prayer psalm of David and the list of definitions above, the name of God deliverer contains the inherited lot of the Son of God in whom and by whom a person receives the ability to invest the guarantee of his salvation as you would a down payment so that you can receive profit in the form of salvation of your soul and the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ. Receive profit which is the salvation of our soul and the adoption of our body. And so the Lord sows his seed into our spirit. Our spirit is responsible for the saving of our soul and the adoption of our body. And if our spirit uh, within the span of our short life will not be able to or will not be successful in uh, saving the mortal body and and, and mortal soul, he will also go to hell together with our soul and body. And so he's very interested in saving. 
himself. The spirit wants to be safe, and to be saved means to save also the soul and body, and if you lose the soul and body, you lose, the spirit will then uh, go to hell as well. Considering such a union between God and man, it becomes vital for us to determine in every area of our essence both the role of God and the role of man, and for this purpose we've come to the necessity to study a series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God Deliverer? Second, what purpose is our inherited lot in the name of God Deliverer called to fulfill in the realization of our salvation? Third, what price do we need to pay to give God the ability to be our deliverer? And fourth, by what results do we need to determine that God truly is our deliverer in the realization of our calling? In a specific format, we already studied the essence of the first three questions and therefore are paying attention to and studying question four. Fourth question, how it sounds is, the results, by what results do we need to examine ourselves to determine whether God is truly our deliverer in the realization of our, of our calling. First sign, <clears throat> which we have looked at, by which we, ne- we can determine that God is our deliverer, is knowing that our tent is in peace and that we are able to visit our home and find nothing amiss. In Job 5.17 and lower, it says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the, the chastening of the Almighty. For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but, he wounds, but his hand makes whole. He shall deliver you in six, in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. In famine, he shall redeem you from death, and in war from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine. You shall know that your tent is in peace. You shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. And so the seven things we need to become free of or be delivered from, six, uh, six, and then it says there's a seventh, trouble. And if we are delivered from them, then the Lord promises then to deliver us from the evil coming upon man. What evil did we need to condemn in ourselves so that the God's judgments would not be upon us? <clears throat> and so to be uh, in wizened, to be knowledgeable about the things we need to be delivered from and the seven things, the evil that is inside of us so that the evil if we are delivered from that what is inside of us, we can't be affected uh, by the things outside of us. And so, arrogant eyes, a tongue that speaks evil, those who speak deception, those who sow discord between the brethren, these are some of these, and all these qualities as we listed, if we become free of them, if we're delivered from them, then the Lord will bless us in the time of famine, and He will deliver us from death, and He'll deliver us from the sword, 
and we will be able to uh, avoid uh, any destruction and desolation and will not be afraid of the beasts of the of the earth and we then will make a covenant with the rocks of the field which are also symbolically with the children of God and make a covenant with the beasts of the field which are emotions uh, and their involuntary dependence of our of our renewed mind and these things will happen when we free ourselves of these terrible qualities and we can destroy them by confessing with our mouth we remember that when there was a famine in Israel three years three year after year in the time of David and the Lord then and David came to the Lord and said Lord for what is this David understood that the Lord said at the in the time of famine I will deliver you from death and now the famine had come and the famine came because the hands uh, were shedding innocent blood and so he came to the Lord thinking maybe he did but he said it's not because of you it's because of the bloodthirsty house of Saul he wanted to destroy and almost destroyed all of the Gibeonites because they were not of the nation of Israel but they made a union a contract a covenant with the nation of Israel and because of his religious zeal he wanted to destroy all those who served in the temple of God and but were not Jews and he decided that only Jews are supposed to uh, occupy these positions and so he decided that the Lord did no longer needed them and began to destroy them and the Lord punished uh, David because you can't punish Saul because he won't understand the punishment and so David said Lord what do we do? And he said, "He said, go, the Lord said, go to the Gibeonites uh, and, and ask them. They'll tell you what to do. And they asked for seven men from the house of Saul, and they were hung before the Lord. Give us these seven qualities that the Lord hates, these troubles, the arrogant eyes, a deceptive tongue, uh, hands that shed blood, feet that are swift to do evil, a person who sows discord all these seven sons of Saul give them to us and we will uh, put them to death and the Gibeonites then were able to bless Israel the Gibeonites pastor showed that these are our lips this is our tongue that is a slave of righteousness the Gibeonites are eternal servants the Jews were not taken as servants for seven years a person only uh, a person would give himself for seven years but he would then re, re uh, retain or reobtain the his former position after that time but and in the temple as we know uh, the priests had an eternal uh, role or service within the temple these were the priests uh, Gibbonites also served uh, for the entire span of their life within the temple uh, as servants they were eternally uh, dedicated to the temple and these Gibbonites, the small nation this these, this is our tongue, our, our mouth that confesses the word of God and uh, condemns all of these evil qualities and so if we have a deceptive mouth we need to say Lord uh, we need to t tell the person forgive me I just spoke a not true thing 
And it's difficult for a person to sometimes, uh, he suffers to come and, and ask forgiveness for lying. Uh, we need to nail it to the cross, say, forgive, you need to be confident, say, forgive me, I, I spoke something not true, it was a lie. Uh, it's a difficult thing to do. It was an interesting first sign that we had studied. Second sign by which we can determine that God is our deliverer will be joyous lips that sing to God about the deliverance of our soul from those who seek to hurt us. The Lord delivers us from people who seek to hurt us. And we thank God with joyous lips. Psalm 71, 20-24 You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Also with the lute I will praise you and your faithfulness, O my God. To you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul, which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long. For they are confounded, for they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. And so you have saved my soul, and they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. And so there are a lot of interesting phrases that uh, our pastor had uh, identified, he explains what they mean. Before we study the essence of each phrase, identifying the result that God is our deliverer from people that seek to hurt us, we first need to identify those, those that seek to hurt us. People who seek to hurt us, from whom the Lord delivers us, are highly organized powers of darkness being controlled by the fallen cherubim, which include uh, six different things. First, this is our flesh, being supported by the old man, the carrier of the program of the fallen cherubim, which we inherited from the sinful life of our fathers. This is the first individual that within us uh, seeks to hurt us. And the psalmist says, you delivered me from those who seek to hurt us, and our flesh is the one that first seeks to hurt us. The second is our mind, in the form of Saul, a harsh man who attempts to take the place of God, who resists the reasonable aspect of our spirit. He also seeks us harm. Third, our nation, supported by the world and all that is in the world, that is controlled by the prince of darkness, by the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Our nation also seeks us harm. Fourth, the house of our father attempting to claim the birthright in our life and power that belongs to God also seeks to hurt us. Wicked and lawless men who support the wicked, who fill the churches of saints, they also seek us harm. And the spirit of deception that is led by the Prince Mammon, who deceptively takes on the form of angels of light and impersonate the Holy Spirit, they also speak or seek to hurt us. And so David prays, Lord, you have delivered my soul from those who seek to hurt me. And this is the old man, my uncrucified mind, my nation, the house of my father, who attempts the birthright. 
attempts to claim the birthright, the wicked and lawless that fill the churches of saints, and the spirit of deception, demonic princes. It is specifically our reaction to being delivered from these enemies that identifies God as our deliverer. It is by the phrase, uh, as we we will look at some of these phrases that are present in this place of scripture, how the Lord delivers us from those who desire evil against us or toward us. It is by the phrase, you have shown me great and severe troubles, shall revive me, you, you, you shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth, that we can determine when casting off the old man with his deeds that we were submerged into the depths of the earth in baptism in the death of the Lord Jesus and afterwards delivered and led out from the depths of the earth by the resurrection of Jesus. In the death of the Lord Jesus, we were submerged into the depths of the earth so that we can die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our destructive desires, and then were led out from the depths of the earth by the resurrection of Jesus. The next interesting phrase, looking at the phrase, you shall increase my greatness, we determine that God lifts us up above all that rise against us, and he delivers us from the violent man. 2 Samuel 22, 49. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. He also lifts me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. The Lord lifts up. He rises us up. And this happens when a person humbles himself. Not Saul or those who seek us harm. They don't have the quality of humility, and when a person becomes humble, then at this time the Lord lifts us up over our enemies or above our enemies. Looking at the phrase, comfort me on every side, we determine that the mercy of God in the form of His precious promises both supports and comforts us. It's not just that He just uh, taps on your shoulder and says, good job, everything will be fine. You need to be comforted, and how can you be comforted? With the precious promises of God. Psalm 94, 17 through 19. Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence. If I say, my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delights my soul. This is at, at, at the time when he had many sorrows in his heart, David needed to comfort himself. And these words of the Lord comforted him. And these are the oath promises of God, the precious promises of God. Because at the time of, of great trials and anxieties, it's, it's difficult to comfort a person that is in this situation. But with the word of God, you can comfort a person. By this phrase, also with the lute, I will praise you and your faithfulness, O my God. To you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. Can we determine that we have the presence of the joy of the Lord belonging to the righteous ones? Here David rejoiced. Psalm 33, 1-4. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. 
sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. It's necessary to rejoice, to rejoice, so that the Lord can deliver us from all those who seek to hurt us. Looking at the phrase, by the phrase, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you, and my soul, which you have redeemed, my tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought to shame who seek me, seek my hurt. Can we determine that we love righteousness and hate lawlessness? Hebrews 1.9, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And so let us look at this gladness. Gladness that is present in man who has loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is a very important component that will be able to deliver us from our enemies who seek to hurt us. The presence of unearthly joy, supernatural joy. And it is demonstrated again when we love righteousness and hate all lawlessness. That's why God anoints with the oil of gladness. What is gladness? Gladness is a component of the fruit of righteousness grown in the good soil of our heart from the seed of the preached to us word about justification that we have received freely by the grace of God from the wellspring of salvation which our people clothe into into the authority of fathers of God. And so from where does joy come, this gladness? This is fruit. Gladness is fruit, but how do you receive this fruit? Pastor says that the fruit of joy can be received when we receive the seed in the beginning, and the seed can be received only from the wellspring of salvation, wellsprings of salvation, and these are people that are clothed into the authority of fathers of God who have the seed, the seed of gladness, unearthly joy. And when we receive the seed and we produce our fruit, then we have the opportunity to be delivered from those who seek to hurt us. This is gladness, supernatural joy. If we look specifically at supernatural joy, it is a discipline of the mind and will, collaborating with the truth of the teaching of Christ imprinted upon the heart of man and the revelation of the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in the heart. This is supernatural joy. Unearthly joy, again, discipline of the mind and will. What mind and will? The one that collaborates with the truth of the teaching of Jesus Christ that is imprinted upon our heart and the revelation of the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart. When we have the truth and the Holy Spirit who reveal, reveals this truth, then a person has access to unearthly joy, supernatural joy, which is the discipline of the mind and will. The state and atmosphere of joy in the heart allows us to lead our emotional sphere with a bridle in the direction of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. Supernatural joy, this is not a cheerful and flurry feeling leading reasonable abilities, our reasonable abilities and will of our soul in worship. Again, not a cheerful and flurry feeling that leads our reasonable abilities and our will or the will of our soul in our worship. because the word is received again in the form of seed and this unearthly or supernatural joy is not in these 
cheerful and flurry feelings, but discipline of the renewed mind and will, placed in complete dependence of the revelations of the truth in the heart that leads the emotional sphere in worshiping God. If our worship is not in accordance with the demands of the structure where the discipline of the renewed mind and will are placed in complete dependence of the revelations of the truth in our heart, we will not be able to lead our emotional sphere in worshiping God, and consequently such worship will lose its significance as it does not correspond to the requirements of the atmosphere of joy where worship is in spirit and in truth is supposed to happen. Isaiah 12, 1-6 And in that day you will say, Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For yea, the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His deeds among the peoples, make mention that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitants of of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. The joyous lips that sing to God about the deliverance of their soul from the men who seek them harm is something that only applies to righteous men who by confessing the faith of God abiding in their heart lead their emotional horse with a bridle into the atmosphere of worship in spirit and in truth and consequently if we haven't deposited the guarantee of our justification so that we can profit given to us as a guarantee of salvation so that we can grow it into the fruit of righteousness which can then become our possession and our legitimate foundation for praising God, we will not have any legitimate grounds or right to inherit the lot contained in the name of God, deliver. A very interesting second result of how the Lord delivers us from those who seek us harm. We need to possess this supernatural or unearthly joy where our mind and our will is in discipline and is and is dependent upon the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And this allows us to worship in spirit and in truth. This is again, unearthly joy is discipline. If someone asks you the question, what is supernatural joy, unearthly joy? These are not uh, excited feelings or emotions. This is discipline that is in absolute dependence of the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth. And you ask, where can I receive this joy? From the wellsprings of salvation. Who are these wellsprings of salvation? These are his people who have the wellsprings of the revelations. From them you receive the word in the form of seeds and grow them into fruit of joy. And this will allow us to be delivered from all the enemies who seek us harm. And so there's been rumors going around about uh, enlightenments that have been taking place in certain areas. And so when these uh, things uh, uh, are said, I only am interested in the name of the apostle, the church where it's being happening, and what they're preaching. 
but often these seem not to be churches because they're colleges. They don't have any teaching. They just sing, shout, pray, and without control, they continue to do so without stopping. And I am not interested. This is deception. This is not enlightenment. Because joy is not our feelings and emotions. And so we see these labors of pastor where he explains uh, the difference between the, the, the legitimate joy of the Lord and emotions that have temporary uh, experiences. Third result by which we can determine that God is our deliverer is by the presence of the fruit of the Spirit, testifying that God has delivered us from the hand of Pharaoh, Exodus 18, 1-4. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, Moses, I have been a stranger in a foreign land, and the name of the other was Eleazar. For he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. I won't explain in detail the definitions uh, uh, of these names because these were explained uh, in, in previous sermons. And so this was, again, uh, that the Lord delivered us from the hand of Pharaoh. He delivered us together with Moses when Moses went to the land of Midian, in the land of Midian, he, he uh, fed and tended the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the flocks, and married his daughter, whose name means bird, which is precious revelations. And if Moses is our spirit, then Sephra or Zipporah, she is who finds her secret or hiding place in the heart of man. And the two sons of Gershom and Eliezer. Not possible without Midian. Uh, the Holy Spirit shows here how the Lord leads us to the adoption of our body. When we're born again, we're still infants. We're still carnal in Jesus Christ when we're just born again. But until a specific amount of time or until a specific time we are still infants and we try to ta- use our own strength to save ourselves just as Moses uh, thought that with his hand the Lord will lead the people out but the Lord will lead the people out with his own hand and he was then 40 years with his father-in-law Jethro And this uh, land of Midian, which is a foreign land, it needs to become a foreign land to us. And about Egypt, if you remember, he told the Pharaoh that the Lord, the Lord said to Pharaoh that this is my land. Uh, but the land of Midian, he said, this is a foreign land. And Moses became a stranger and, for, and sojourner uh, when he received the revelation for his body. The, the path to the adoption of our body. We need to see within our body Egypt and also the land of Midian. Flesh and blood in the way it is right now will not inherit the kingdom of heaven 
we need to adopt our body. We need to understand that this does not satisfy God. And to, what we need to do, uh, the way our relationship with the land of Midian, we, we come into that land first, and it's a, a foreign land. And you make you then have two choices. You go to the right, you'll be a student, and you'll feed the flocks of the, of the your father-in-law. If you go to the left, you will eat of uh, what is de- dedicated to idols. And what did the Midians, Midianites do together with the Moabites when the nation of Israel was going? These two nations got together, their leaders, and and decided that they will call Balaam to curse uh, Israel. And Balaam told them, I can't curse the nation because every time I tried, the Lord is blessing them. And so they gave him more money, and, and he still could not curse the nation because God keeps blessing the nation. But he did tell them, uh, he did tell them, he gave them advice, I will tell you what can lead them astray and lead them into into sin. Uh, tolerant love, when you, uh, tolerant love meaning the accepting of one, of, 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 of foreigners and, and coming and uh, having relationships with them, illegitimate. And so again, you will either feed the flocks of your, of your father-in-law or you will eat what is sacrificed to idols and become arrogant. You will not be infants in Christ. You will then just become carnal and wicked. And so here Moses bore his son, uh, Gershom. He said, I'm a stranger in a foreign land. And then he had his son Eliezer. God is my help. He delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Sword of Pharaoh is a non-disciplined tongue, but when we obtain a disciplined tongue, then we produce, in this case, then this promise of Eliezer. Our body, flesh and blood, does not inherit the kingdom of heaven in the way it is right now. It needs to be adopted. And for this to happen, you need to tend the flocks of your father, be within the order of God. And after that, you meet with the Lord. The Lord gives you the revelation about our, our our mouth, our rod, we then turn to our Egypt, our, our, our body. You destroy all the Egyptians. And Egypt, in the form of our mind and intellect, is then destroyed. Uh, and then you go into the wilderness and dedicate yourself to God, and then you go into the land of Canaan, where each area of our essence needs to be uh, adopted by by God, uh, so that every uh, area of Canaan, every land, a piece of land in Canaan, would become the land of Israel. And so again, one direction makes people arrogant, uh, prideful, arrogant, and no longer students, or no, not students of the Lord. The other direction is where you tend the flocks of your father-in-law, and you bear these two sons, and you then go back to Egypt, you then take the mandate God has given you, and you renew your mind, and go then into the promised land, a process of how the Lord adopts our body. There's a a long path uh, 
that the nation of Israel had to walk. Fourth element or sign by which we can determine that God is our deliverer is that He has delivered our soul as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we escape. Let's let's, uh, see how the Lord delivers us as a bird. Someone wants to catch us as a bird in, in a snare. Psalm 124, 1 through 8. A song of a sense of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us, the stream would have gone over our soul, then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Again, a lot of interesting phrases that we need to pay attention to. The first we need to pay attention to is the nature of confession coming from the inner state of the heart, which is a sign of the deliverance of our soul from the snare that captures us. This is a prayer, a continual prayer that comes from the heart. If it wasn't for the Lord, if it had not been for the Lord, he says, if he would not have been on our side, this is a continual prayer. Romans 10, 8 through 10, what do the scriptures say? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. It is again in our heart and in our mouth. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation so that the the Lord deliver us as a bird from a snare we need to confess the faith of our heart if we can't confess the faith of our heart then we will not be able to be delivered from these snares second we need to pay attention to the fact that this confession happens while ascending to the Jerusalem temple this is a song of ascents psalm of ascents it's written of David he was going to the Jerusalem temple this is such a form of worship that happened exclusively three times a year and it was mandatory these or those who did not obey this requirement were at risk of being removed from their nation and so there were three feasts that need to also be present in us when they would do this so we can be delivered from these snares and not fall into them like a bird Deuteronomy 16 16 17 Three times a year, all your male shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. Here are the feasts. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God which he has given you. And another place, Ecclesiastes 5.1, Walk prudently when you go into the house of God, and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. What does it mean to walk prudently when you go to the house? This is a song of a, a psalm of ascents. We're going to Jerusalem, and we need to have these three feasts, the unleavened bread, 
it was during the Passover feast on the second day they would have the feast of unleavened bread they were it was celebrated together with the Passover what Christ has done to us for us uh, the feast of weeks is the Pentecost the feast of the Pentecost in the second feast we acknowledge the Holy Spirit not as a guest but as a Lord a Lord of our life and we begin to be led by the Holy Spirit this is an important feast and the third feast is the Feast of Tabernacles when you say you are a stranger and foreigner on this land and so they lived in uh, not in houses but in things that were not the tents and other things that were not uh, because we're, we're strangers, sojourners upon these lands. And so when our pastor would pray uh, in the church, the Lord kept showing this place of scripture every time the, the Israel Israelite nation needed to gather uh, three times a year uh, in this situation symbolically showing uh and so we have our services three times a week and so we need to understand when we come to church that there was the intention of a feast uh, uh, unleavened bread, feast of weeks and feast of tabernacles and so all of these days <clears throat> are our feasts Third, we need to pay attention to who the people are who rise against us or up against us and attempt to capture our soul into the snare of death. These are people that are within our midst who have the look of godliness but have denied its power. And generally, these are people that are in the circle of leaders in the midst of the nation of God. As the character of these people attempting to trap David into snares of death, are not the status of people that are general members of the church, but those with the status of members who have authority and are clothed into the position of holy servants. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Typically, the people of the world are respectful toward Christian people, desiring to live godly in Christ Jesus, but people who have the look of godliness but deny its power will bring forth persecution against people possessing true godliness. 2 Timothy 3, 12-14 Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. People who abide in true godliness are people who have died to sin and live for God, which is why they receive the ability to abide in the perfect law of liberty. James 1.25-27 But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, 
this one's religious religion is useless pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep yourself unspotted from the world according to the definition of the essence of pure and upright godliness declared by Apostle Paul this is the ability to visit the orphan and widow in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world which upon practice means continuously be in the process of sanctification which stands guard of our dedication to godliness 1 Timothy 2 8 through 10 I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works the Lord is not against the decorations he or adornments he is against the adornments being uh, contrary to And so if it's contrary to the beauty that is inside. And so we need to understand the scriptures, again, are not against adornments uh, and using beautiful things. It's good, it's normal. The scripture is just showing that our inner, our outward beauty needs to correspond to the inner beauty. Fourth. What does the snare of death represent into which the people that rise up against us want to catch us? The snares of death is such a form of deception where the lie or deception is offered as the truth by being wrapped with specific text that is in scripture pulled out of context of the general spirit of scripture which allows the the deceivers to interpret them as they will, legalizing sin and washing out or away the boundaries of moral essence of purity and upright godliness. And so snares of death are places of scripture that are pulled out of the general spirit of scripture and interpreted as one wants. As they used to do, brother, tell me what's on your heart. And a person will just start saying whatever they want to say and interpret as they desire, absolutely not understanding the teaching they pull out places of scripture and began to catch people into their own snares. Our pastor never offers people just to give, uh, talk about whatever they want to, they think things are. Uh, if you are in the truth, it's different and we know what's within our heart and in our service you can't catch people into these snares because we are of one teaching, one heart, one 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 mouth and so let us look at these snares where they come from mark 4:14 4, through 19 the sower sows the word and those who and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tri- tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. 
Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Snares of death, they want to take the word away that God sows within us. Fifth, what conditions do we need to fulfill or need to be fulfilled, and what means do we need to use to give God the legitimate ability to deliver our soul from the snares that capture us? <clears throat> so that God would receive the legitimate ability to deliver our soul from the snares that capture us, it is necessary to do the works of God. The essence of the work of God consists in not laboring for the food that it perishes, but for the food that endures to everlasting life. And for this it is necessary to receive the person whom God will send us, and not a person that we place ourselves by voting, so that he deceives our uncircumcised ear. One who we vote for will not give us bread that is for eternal life. He'll give us bread that is uh, perishes. A person sent by God will possess the power or authority of a father of God, and this means that he will be a carrier of the seed of the word of truth. Jo John 6, 27 through 29. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. To believe in the one whom God has sent means collaborate your faith with the faith of God, which are the spoken words of the person whom God has sent. And so how do you determine the status of these people? John 20, 21 through 23. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The means that we need to use to give God the legitimate ability to deliver our souls from the snares that capture us is the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. These are the means that will help us deliver our souls from the snares that try and capture us. And the, our relationship with the preached word that we hear. However, to receive the seed of the preached to us word about the kingdom of heaven, it is necessary to prepare the soil of your heart, and this is to separate from your nation the house of your father and the corrupt desires of your soul by the means of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 10, 34-40 Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves the, his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. Psalm 45, 10, 11. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the, so the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. 
A person who has not lost their soul in the form of their nation, the house of their father, and the corrupt desires of their soul, by collaborating their cross with the cross of Christ, is poor, naked, blind, and mute. And if this person is not brought to Christ, whom his messengers represent, they will never be able to become rich in God's faith or receive the garments of justification so that this, the shame of nakedness would be covered up. Also, they will never be able to see and, and never be able to confess who God is for them, what God has done for them, and who they are to God. And here's an example from the life of Christ, how he delivered a person from blindness and muteness. We need to understand that he will do this using his wellsprings of salvation. And Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I send you. He sent them to deliver us from blindness and muteness so that we can see and we would be able to confess the word of God. Proclaim the not existent as existent and proclaim the word and thank him. Let's see how Jesus did this. Matthew 12, 22 through 37. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed. He was demon-possessed. He was not one who threw himself in fire and other things. He, he was demon-possessed, blind and mute. <clears throat> he was demon-possessed who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And so the blindness and muteness in which we're born, <clears throat> the Lord has sent his messengers so that they can deliver us from this blindness and muteness. This was a person who was demon-possessed, but we need to understand what blindness and muteness we have inherited from the sinful life of our fathers. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus, knowing, knowing their thoughts, and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the, the Spirit will not be forgiven men. He assigned his death verdict. Because they said, you do this by the power of Beelzebub, not by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age 
or in the age to come. That's what they did. They didn't speak against him. He had nothing immoral. They couldn't speak against him. But they said, the spirit that's with you or it supports you, uh, this is Satan. These are people who did speak against the Holy Spirit because they called the Holy Spirit Satan. But only, and only one who has jealousy can say these things. When we know this is a holy person, and when we say that they're doing it with sata- satanic powers, for these there's no forgiveness. It's a very special form of people. These were leaders of the nation of Israel who knew this was the Messiah. And so again, whoever speaks against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And so to be demon-possessed or possessed means to be in the power of a demon a demon, or under the control of a demon. And in the given situation, this possession was demonstrated in blindness and muteness. Symbolically, in the given event, we see two categories of possessed individuals in the in the specific situation. The first category, the Lord healed. The second, the Lord cursed. The first category gave their agreement to be brought to Christ so that he heals her with his word from blindness and muteness. The second category who resisted the truth that was being preached by Christ and constantly tried to discredit the teaching of Christ which revealed their false godliness. This second category of possessed people, they're possessed people whose Satan is in their spirit. In the first category, it it was just in their soul, in the sinful uh, life that has been passed on to them. But these are people who spoke uh, against the Holy Spirit, calling him Satan, and that it's satanic power. These are people that have no forgiveness ever. Again, only these words can only be spoken by a person who has jealousy against God's holy person. And so if you have the desire to find the original sermon from the archives, this was January 17th, 2020, a Friday sermon, let us now pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege to be upon this place where you have a remembrance for your name. We thank you, Lord, that there's a continual remembrance of your name here in the form of your word, in the form of your truth, your teaching, 
of our Lord Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. We thank you for the order that is within the body of Christ. We thank you that you remember this place. Your eyes look upon this land. They look upon the service, upon the hearts of your people that are here. We thank you, Lord, that today we have the ability to lift you up as our Lord who is our strength. You are, Lord, our strength. You are not changing in your word. And we thank you for your word, your revelations, that you have magnified and that you have become a servant of. We today also worship before your word. We tremble before your word and we humble ourselves before it and we collaborate our faith with your faith and we're ready to obey the word that we heard today and that is within our heart. We thank you, Lord, that you allow us to cleanse our heart and our conscience from dead works, cleanse from the filth of the flesh and spirit to be able to approach you, Lord and to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven in the fruit of which you can deliver us from death, from hell. We thank you, Lord, for the wellspring of salvation that you give to us today in the form of your church, your anointed ones that have your word, the word that came from you, the word that can deliver us from the snares of the wicked one to deliver our soul from the snares of death for this we want to today be caught in the snares of the kingdom of heaven be caught in the snares of your word today we want to catch ourselves in the confessions of our own mouth and become eternal servants of your word and your commandments we thank you Lord for this privilege that you deliver us from the snares of death. We receive and accept from the wellspring of life your salvation. And we pray that you give us the salvation in a seed that we can grow in our life. We thank you, Lord, that you have delivered us not just from the snares of death. You delivered us from all of those who seek to hurt us You have delivered us from the old man who lives within our body, from governing sin. You have delivered us from our uncircumcised mind. You have delivered us from our nation, the house of our father that attempts to take your place but that seeks to hurt us and seeks us, seeks for our death. You delivered us from the devil and Satan, from death, from all form of curses. We thank you, Lord, that you have delivered us when you put into our heart this unearthly and supernatural joy. You allow us today to rise up, ascend to Jerusalem, and every time we come to this place, we don't just come to church. We ascend to Jerusalem because in our heart there's an upright joy. 
We thank you for this supernatural joy that is within our heart that we today don't depend on, upon feelings or emotions that are stirred up, but we discipline our mind and will that will be able to be led or that will be able to lead with a bridle our emotions. This allows us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Worship you in the truth that is in our spirit when we take this word and we confess it with a gentle mouth. We thank you, Lord, for our lips, for our Gibbonites that have become your eternal servants. We thank you, Lord, for the small city, Saigor, the small place where Ziglag was, where David hid, and where you saved your people. And you said that you would not pour out uh, the wrath upon Sodom and Gomorrah went until Lot would go to Ziglag. And we need to receive it as our own inheritance. You c- we can then confess your wrath. You will not be able to pour out your wrath upon the old man within our essence until we come to Segor, until we find this meek and gentle mouth, until we come into the small city Ziglag, the place where you will hide us from all of our enemies and from the place where the place where you will give us victory. We thank you, Lord, that you have delivered us from all of the troubles that are in our body, the seven troubles that come from the law of sin and death and give him power. And weaknesses, illnesses, and untimely death come from there. Lord, this is not our inheritance. This is not our inheritance. Having this supernatural joy, we know about your oath promises. We know about our inheritance. And today, we want to, with our mouth, again, to nail to the cross all the seven troubles that are within our essence and that can be in our essence. In the name of Jesus Christ, we condemn the eyes that are prideful. In the name of Jesus Christ, we condemn a tongue that is deceitful. In the name of Jesus Christ, we condemn hands that shed innocent blood. In the name of Jesus Christ, we condemn a heart that is swift to do evil with its feet. We condemn in ourselves false witness that speak lies about others. We pray that the accuser be removed from our sky so that there not be place for him. And we pray today, Lord, we renew our mind with the spirit of our mind so that the accuser and the false witness who speaks deception against our brothers would be able to be cast down so there not be place for him there for his deceptions. We thank you, Lord, that you have delivered us and we condemn all who sow discord among the brethren. Thank you for the atmosphere of love that is within this place. 
Thank you for the salvation that is upon this place. You show your might, your strength, and you save us in this place. And this place is the wellspring of salvation. And we thank you, Lord, for your messengers in the form of your apostles, our pastor, Arkady, who is for us the wellspring for that you used to save us. We thank you for the word that we hear, the word that we have received and that we renew our mind with and that word that we clothe ourselves into by confessing with our mouth. Thank you th today that this word is expanding as salvation and it is against our enemies. It could save us from the enemies, from the snares that have been placed to catch us. We pray, Lord, for our pastor. You have shown your great mercy. You have shown us your salvation, your salvation through him. And we pray for your mercy that it come swiftly and come help come quickly that the service that services that it that has been serving us that we also could serve him and the service can also the truth can restore him we know that these events are not the cause of of satan or demons you are the cause in this case and we pray only for your mercy we hunger to hear your word, the word that you will be able to put upon the table of showbreads, using your apostles, people that plant the word, using them you can place your word, these cakes upon this golden table of showbreads. And then by confession you could take from this table of showbreads and give it to our soul for its use and so we thank you that for the word that is given for the disposal of our soul you have revelations that need to come into our spirit and you can only do this uh, by having the person or giving us this person uh, who can plant the word in us we pray be zealous, Lord, for your word. And we hunger for your truth. We have taken the breads that were upon this table, golden table of showbreads, and we pray that you put new breads, your revelations, using the person whom you have sent, who plants the word. Lord, we continue to show and demonstrate our hunger for your word we will continue to use the bread that lays in our spirit and we thank you for it and we will wait for your mercy and wait for the day when you using the planted word the person who is your representative you will be able to again using him place revelations upon our table of showbreads we thank you, Lord, for your mercy. 
we thank you for the wellsprings of salvation. We thank you that you have delivered us from those who seek us harm. You have saved us from snares of death. May your holy name be blessed. Our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.